Hey, what is going on, Prayer House family? Welcome to the Prayer House Podcast. Our mission is to encourage and nourish everyone through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Yeah, my name is Johnny. I'll introduce uh, myself, uh, give you a little backstory. Um, just on the side, on the side note, this is super cool. This is so overwhelming with like everything going on when... Um, uh, Jaron had asked me to do this. I'm like, wow, are you kidding me? Like, we're going to be doing this, like in the middle of this chaos, like days before the election. I'm like trying to get people to focus on God. But I've been struggling a lot with like what that looks like. You know, how do we participate in the world, be in the world, but not of the world? So uh, I'm really thankful for this opportunity. So thanks, Jaron, for asking me and uh, for having me on. But just some background real quick. Um how I met Jaron was last year, uh, not last year, actually the year before, uh, 2019, I was actually doing a small group with some friends of mine, about seven people. We were doing a little small group. We've been doing it for about two years. And uh, we got to a place where we were like, we wanted to go to the next level and grow the group. And so we said, uh, hey, let's get a cabin. So we went to a cabin out in Michigan and we just like hardcore prayed and spoke into each other's lives. And we really got vulnerable and transparent, prayed for each other, called each other out. It was amazing. And two weeks after that, I think I got COVID. I'm pretty sure it was COVID. Uh, I got really sick. I've never had the flu before. So I thought it was the flu. Uh, but now looking back, it might have been COVID because I ended up in the hospital in the emergency room and it was, it was really bad. Uh, so I have a lot of empathy and sympathy for people who are struggling through that. But it was right after that, I was praying about God to God about what to do and what to do next. And I kept getting stay. He kept telling me to stay in Chicago. So I'm from Chicago, born and raised. And so I decided to stay in Chicago. And I was just saying, I wish I could meet more people who are on fire for God, who, who can do this. I mean, we want to like multiply this and keep this thing going. And and just want to meet people like that who are passionate. And right after that, a friend introduced me to Jaron and Sam. I don't know if you guys know Sam, but they they were in town. So we met up at Portillo's and we had this amazing conversation. And I had shared with him my testimony. And that's why he's asking me to share it here. But I just saw the same passion in him. And I asked him even, why did they come to Chicago? And they said, we just prayed. And we said, God, we want to go somewhere. Do we go? And God told them Chicago. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I was like, all right, I'm going to take that as a sign. I took them out the next day, drove them all over Chicago, showed them Moody Bible Institute, uh, John Alexander Dowie, where he had uh, a huge ministry and he had created a whole town called Zion, Illinois. And people were Christians there. And just that whole history of Chicago, it's a really spiritually um, diverse place. Uh so yeah, after we did that, um, he had told me he was going to start this uh, prayer house. And I said, I was going to do something here. And he shortly asked me to come share my testimony back in April. And I had a lot of stuff going on. I couldn't do it. So uh, it's it's awesome to see you guys are still doing this and growing, going strong and, and sharing with each other. And one of the things we talked about was... Um, I've been all over and I'll get into that in my testimony in a second, but I traveled a lot and I've been part of different churches and stuff. And when I came back to Chicago, I really got plugged back into our Indian community. And I, I wanted something with our Indian community with, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ and something, you know, that we can all bless each other and, and, you know, pray for one another and stuff. Uh, so I started doing something 
on my own and and Sharon started this and the, the prayer house. So here I am sharing my testimony and I was thinking about it like what is the word testimony that's like we're hearing about people in court testifying in court they're saying under oath so this is what we're doing we're giving our testimony of what Christ did to us and we're under oath and we're saying these are the facts this is what happened in my life so I was born and raised in Chicago Illinois um, I have three sisters I have one older two younger and we grew up in a, in a Christian household you know uh, there was not that many Indians here at the time when my parents first came. So all the Indians got together and then they um, would have like the Malayali Cultural Association. And as everybody started getting more people started coming, they split off to their different churches, you know, Jacobite Church, Suramalabar, you know, Pentecostal and, and Marthama. And my dad was Marthama and my mom is Catholic. So they got together. So I had both of those experiences in my life. But growing up in the Marthama church, um, you know, we had the liturgy and we kind of go through the routine. I loved it. it. was, you know, a lot of friends there and stuff. But, you know, it was um, kind of just going through the routine of, of you know, taking on our, our parents, you know, faith and, and watching them do it and having family prayer and doing all that. So I knew in my heart, I always believed in God and stuff and, and followed the rules and stuff. But obviously I didn't understand uh, salvation and the Bible or anything like that. So as we grew up, um, like when I hit my 15, 16 years old, uh, I started rebelling and doing my own thing. And me and my dad would bump heads. As you know, my dad was really strict. I don't know about most of you with Indian parents, but my dad was super strict. Uh, somebody recently told me about that TV show on Netflix, Never Have I Ever. I don't know if any of you guys have watched it, but I relate to a lot to what she's going through, like being not white enough and not being not Indian enough and, and trying to figure out your identity and then being Christian on top of that. So, um, yeah, uh, growing up in there. So I started, you know, rebelling and bumping heads with my dad and, and it would get bad where I would leave home and I had a lot of American friends and, you know, they would give you all that bad advice, you know, just do you and, you know, go out and do all this stuff. So I did. And I, I got into a lot of trouble and, you know, that led to like meeting other people who were not good influences and, you know, got in trouble with the law. And that's a lot of bad stuff that happened with that too. Um, but it, it's really interesting because I was sharing my testimony with somebody recently and I was telling them even during that time, it's amazing how God still protected me. He was still there for me. And like, even just to tell you real quick, there's two other guys that I was with, both of them ended up in the penitentiary and one of them actually got deported out of the country and God totally spared me. And I, I know that's not a coincidence. And I know that's God's grace that I got out of that when I did. Um, so yeah, I knew, okay. So now these guys are doing this stuff and, uh, I knew that, um, I should be doing better. I had, I was instilled with these morals and values of doing that. And a lot of our culture is an honor shame culture. So we had that, you know, influencing us as well. Um, but again, I, my parents, you know, they knew people from the other churches, right? Because they were all together at one time. So they would know other people and we would visit other churches. And one time we went to visit um, a, a Pentecostal church. We went there and people would come and pray over us and, you know, pray for people to receive tongues and stuff like that. And, and nothing ever happened. And so I just, you know, would go here and there. And then my parents eventually stopped going. But I kept going because I knew people there and stuff. And there was a girl there I liked. And God will always use a girl in your life to try to like whatever he can do to get you to, you know, come to him. He'll draw you in. So, yeah, I went over there and this girl and I saw her one time doing it. And I know her. I know she's not crazy. So 
I would ask her, come on, is this real? Like, what are people doing? And she said, yeah, Johnny, it's real. If you ask for it, you know, that God will give it to you. And so I said, okay. And I would do it and I'd pray and just watch these people do this. But um, one time she invited me to uh, a conference that they had, a youth conference. And she said that these two guys that are there, they're like on fire for God. They, they're like celibate and they, they fast and pray all the time. And when they pray over people, it's powerful. They receive it. So uh, she built that up, that expectation. But I still was like, okay, whatever, I'll come. So I went and it was a three-day conference. And the first day, you know, everybody goes and does their things. I've been to so many conferences and, you know, we always have the altar call and everybody goes to the routine and everybody backslides and, you know, you don't know what to think, you know? And so we went up the second day. Then the third day we went up for this thing and, you know, the guys were on this side, the girls were on this side and we're up there and everybody's praying and I don't know what to say. I'm kind of like, okay, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, like what's supposed to happen? Nothing's happening. And um, there were a couple of guys that would come around and lay hands on people and pray. And they just kept going around like that. And it, like the third time they came over me, one of the guys says, you know, okay, forget it. He doesn't believe or he doesn't have faith or something. And I just remember being so offended, like, what? You don't even know me. How could you even say that? You know, I mean, he doesn't know the bad stuff I was doing. I was just doing bad stuff recently before I came to this conference. But, you know, he said that. And I was just like, no, I don't need to do any of this stuff. And this is crazy. And I believe in Jesus. I love God. I know my faith. You know, nobody can tell me what I believe or what my heart is and stuff. And as I'm sitting there saying that, I have my eyes closed. I hear this in my ear. He's it's God or Jesus had why did you do those things you did then? And it was immediately I felt this conviction and the Holy Spirit. And I just started sobbing and crying and, and crying out Jesus name. And um, like this, my whole testimony is about six hours long if I share it. So I'm doing the clip notes version here. Uh, so I'm sitting here, you know, crying out to God and stuff. And uh, it was, I don't even know what this was because I've never experienced this, right? So no one explained this stuff to me, but I see Jesus's face and he's smiling. And then it turns into a ball of white light and hits me in the stomach and just comes up and I just start speaking in tongues. And it was like electricity all over my entire body, the whole thing. And I was like screaming and clapping my hands and jumping. It felt like this angel, this huge angel was picking me up and throwing me up in the air like a little kid. It was like when you're on a roller coaster, a swing, you feel your, your stomach go into your throat. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. Like something is over me. And it's like, oh, I don't know. It's like static electricity. It's all over you. And as soon as I wanted to stop, because I don't know what's happening, it stopped and I fell to the ground. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I said, this is so embarrassing. Everyone's going to laugh at me. I don't even know what just happened. So I just turned around and I just made a beeline to the back of the room with my head down and the lights are dimmed down. And I'm just like, oh, no. So I get to the back of the room and I turn around and look. And nobody cared. They were still doing their thing because they're all used to it. They're like, yep, yeah, that's that's the Holy Spirit. Amen. You got it. And I'm like, what? That was normal. Like, that was incredible. And so all the lies of the devil tells us to like, you know, people are going to laugh. You people are going to make fun of you, all that stuff. None of it was true. It was it was like, no, everybody was like happy. They're like, wow, that, that you got it. And, and I just remember sitting there and feeling the most incredible peace I ever felt in my entire life. Like, when he says a peace that surpasses all understanding, I get it. Like, it's like a universal peace. Like I knew that God was in control of the sun and the moon and the stars and the grass and everything. Like every little thing that we worry about is ridiculous. Like he says, don't worry. He's like, he is in control. He's going to work. He's working out all things for the good. Like I really got that. And I remember I left from there. 
I came home. And so now here's the prodigal son coming home, right? And I'm, I'm telling my parents this crazy thing just happened to me. I'm telling them because I still didn't understand. I'm like, hey, there's something out there. I don't know what this is, something, that Holy Spirit stuff, that's real. Like this thing really happened to me. And so they were all encouraged and inspired. So they were like, okay, let's go. We want to see. And these two guys were speaking in Ashland, Ohio. So we packed up the whole family and we actually went out there uh, to, to see this. And I was praying so hard for my family to get it. Cause I'm like, Oh, they're going to freak out when this happens. It's like, Oh my gosh. And we get there and you know, they go through the whole thing. And my mom kind of sees the light and stuff, but my little sister got it, but my other two sisters didn't get it. And my dad didn't get anything. And I remember that caused a weird kind of like dynamic in the house because it's like, oh, okay, how come we didn't get it? And this and that. And I struggled a lot because I thought, oh, you need to speak in tongues. Otherwise you're not saved. And I didn't know any theology and stuff. So that took a while for me to do this. And so I just started going around for like the next year sharing at different churches and, you know, sharing my testimony and telling people like, oh my gosh, it's real. And and it was funny because there was a group of people that were like, oh my gosh, I want to experience it. They were hungry and thirsty. But there was another group of people who would kind of mock it and talk and and that bothered me and I was like oh man I don't like that you know so uh, I kind of started pulling back a little bit and I was like man this is kind of ruining my social life you know so I don't, I don't want this and so uh, I started pulling back a little bit and not doing it as much because I'm just like why would I make it up like I'm not somebody who would lie you know like this is great like I'm telling you guys something good and so uh, yeah I pulled back from that and actually started backsliding and started going back and and doing that bad stuff with those two guys and they were telling me all the stuff that they had done while i was here experiencing god and and um yeah after one day we were out and i was thinking about it and i'm like what am i doing here what am i doing with these guys you know we had gotten you know caught by the police and it turned out to be the police officer was a christian and he took me and put me in the back of his car. And I was like, uh, these two were fighting with the police. I just went ahead and went in there. And uh, he looked in the rearview mirror and he's just like, Johnny, what are you doing with these guys? He goes, you're a good kid. You know, like you should be in school. You should be doing that. And I just started bawling because I said, I know, I know I don't want to do this. I know better. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like, yeah, what am I doing? And I just felt this conviction. And so then I started like, I left those guys and that's when everything happened and they got in trouble and, and got taken away. And I ended up like going back and talking to that girl that, you know, helped me, you know, come to the church and experience that. So I started confessing to her, like all these things I did and, you know, all these bad things that happened. And I was like really convicted. And, you know, for us, we want to get punished because we were, we know in an Indian family, you're going to get arty, right? So uh, I was like, you know, I want God to punish me and do something. And I kept saying all this crazy stuff, like the ugly cry, sobbing and crying, saying, I wish you would break my arms. I said, no, maybe my leg, but not my right leg. That's my strong leg, my left leg, but not these bones down here, these big bone. And she had said, don't say that. There's like demons listening. And I still didn't understand that stuff. So I was like, yeah, whatever. That's silly, you know? And I left from that place. It was like a, a college. It was like three hours away. And I started driving home and about an hour and a half into the ride, I passed out. So I, <laughs> the car went off the road and it started flipping end over end like nine, 10 times. And I'm just bouncing up and down inside the car. I don't have my seatbelt on. And I'm like, what is happening? I can't stop this from doing this. And it hit the side of the road where it stopped. The, the It was an SUV. And it stopped it and I, I flung out of it like a slingshot and I flew through the air and I'm watching my van, my, my uh, SUV sitting there upside down and 
I'm thinking, I don't know where I'm doing. I'm flying backwards out of, over the sky like this and just seeing parts of my car all over the road. And I just said, God help me. I just, that's the first thing came out of my head. God help me. And I landed in this cornfield and that's again, a long story, but they ended up life flighting me to Chicago and to Loyola and it was in critical condition and all this stuff happened. I'm on Facebook. So if you want to message me and ask any questions, you can find me on there. But uh, a life flighted me there and people said, you know, I was going to not going to make it. I lost so much blood and everything because what happened was when I landed, uh, I don't remember hitting the ground, but I got up and started walking to where I thought the road was and my leg was kind of hurting. And when I put weight on it, it snapped and one bone ripped out one way and the other bone ripped out. And so it was a compound fracture. And so they were going to amputate my leg, but my mom used to work at Loyola. So she was a nurse and she was like, no, you're not going to do that. I don't care what you do. You're going to save it. And all these Indian people showed up like I don't know what, like 200 people like, showed up at the hospital and they're all praying. And that's, again, what I love about our Indian community. You know, we're not perfect. We do a lot of things wrong and there's things that I don't like, but that kind of like, you know, support and solidarity and encouragement, like, man, I'll never forget that. So the way they took care of my parents and helped them. And um, I ended up like getting a steel rod in my leg and I realized, oh my goodness, it's what I prayed for, you know, that this happened. But then this lady from that church I went to that uh, received the Holy Spirit, she came and she had a dream about me and said, God didn't want this to happen to you, but he'll give you what you ask for if he's going to teach you the lesson. So she said, you know, when uh, a shepherd, when the baby lamb runs away, you know what they do? They break its leg, they bandage it up, and then they carry it around so that it hears his voice as he's walking around. It learns her voice. So when he puts it down, it runs away. As soon as he calls it, it comes back because it knows his voice. So that's what he, she said. He's going to like carry you and he's going to teach you to listen to his voice. And so I was like, okay. And it was so, I was like, what is happening? This is crazy. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to follow God. So I just started following God and trying to do all the right things and got involved in church. I don't know if you guys know Willow Creek church over here in Chicago is a huge church. I was in the praise and worship team. I think I'm doing everything right, but something's still missing because it was a seeker friendly church. And there was this it seemed like it was all milk. So I ended up leaving from there, going to Harvest Bible Chapel. And I was like, all right, this is meat. You know, this is good. But they were very strict and authoritarian. And I'm like, still something's wrong here. And I ended up hitting a low point where I said, I'm sick and tired of listening to pastors and teachers and friends and family. And I was like, went outside and I was riding my bike and just sobbing and crying, saying, God, I'm trying to do this, but I don't know how. I don't understand. I don't, I don't feel you. I don't see you. Like, I don't know what to do. I think I'm doing the right thing, but I keep hitting a wall. And again, I heard that voice where he said, I've already told you it's in my word. And I just felt like the, the hairs on my neck stand up. And I said, oh my goodness, he gave me a whole book and I didn't even read this book. So I just rode home as fast as I can in 2006. And I picked up the Bible and I just started reading from Genesis and two months, I read the whole Bible from cover to cover, and my mind was blown. Of course, you don't understand everything, but you get the meta narrative of scripture, but it changed my life from there. And that's when I started going to like counseling in 2007. I said, I wanna go back to school and learn more about this. So I started going to college at Trinity um, College over here, and I was studying uh, theology and philosophy because all truth is God's truth, and these people would come and talk. And then I realized that we would talk to all these people, but 
people would come to me and talk about God, but start sharing that they have real problems, you know, like struggling with depression or, or abuse or this or that. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do with that. You know, I'll pray for you and, you know, see these encouraging Bible verses, but what does that do for somebody? You know, like I want to help people. And so I switched to, from that to like psychology and biblical studies or biblical counseling and, and uh, started doing that. And I lived while I was in school at Trinity in an intentional community house in a really bad neighborhood, predominantly African-American, a lot of drugs, alcohol. We were trying to do some racial reconciliation and all that. Um, so after I left from there, after when I graduated in 2013, I, one of my roommates was getting married in Atlanta. So I went down to Atlanta to go for uh, his wedding. And on the way back up, people would like, I'm, I'm out of school, I'm done, you know? So I started visiting people, friends, family, and and people just by word of mouth, they're like, hey, didn't you do counseling? Like, hey, what's wrong with us? We keep fighting, you know, can you tell us? So I just volunteered to do it and just, you know, not just out of my own, you know, love for people. And it just kept going like that. And before I knew it, I was on the road for three months traveling. I went to 26 states, stayed in like 20 different homes. People just opened their doors and let me in. And God provided and I came back home and was thinking about getting into counseling. But the problem was, uh, if you do that, <laughs> the reason why there's so much stigma in counseling is that there's fiduciary responsibilities, legalities, liabilities. If there's any kind of like self-harm, you got to call this number, any abuse, call this number, any activity, illegal activity, call this number. I'm like, that's like half the people I'm talking to. So I just wanted to love them as a friend and bless them. And I felt like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing this until I get rid of these people and I'll, I'll come back and, and finish up my schooling and, you know, certification. But God had different plans. And Next thing you know, I go on the road and now it's been seven years and I've been traveling all over. I've been to every state in the United States, just meeting people like Jaron and stuff like that, like connecting. And I'm just kept getting the word convergence. Like God's using this. He's connecting his people that he knows where you are. Like um, Remy was saying, we're all alone in our houses. When she, when she said about that to pray, like really bow down and pray there's, oh, I can see that everybody, all the people I know just sitting there and praying, we're all together. You feel like you're part of something because it's so lonely when you're by yourself. It's like, does anybody else care? Everybody's kind of just doing the American life, you know, just getting a job and family, all this stuff. So um, yeah, I uh, traveled all over. And so since 2006, I've been to like 20 different countries been all over Southeast Asia, just sharing the gospel with people. And uh, then I came back home and that's when I was here and started like getting plugged in into uh, back into our community because I've been part of like white churches, black churches, Hispanic churches, Korean churches, but there's something different about Indians that you just feel like family. You know, I grew up with three sisters. So when I see them, they're like, oh, they're like sisters. And, you know, just having other Indian brothers that you can talk to because we understand each other in a way that nobody else can. So there's something beautiful about culture and us being here too in America. Um, I don't know if you guys read the book, Coconut Generation. Somebody kept telling me to read that. And I was like, yeah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It's supposed to be one of us writing it. We're the coconut. Some guy from India wrote it. But after I started reading it, I got towards the end of the chapters and this guy nailed it. And I said, wow. So I called him up and I went to go see him. And he said, oh, I interviewed like 50 people, 50 of your kids here. And I got all the information. I'm like, yeah, that's that's how hard it is. And then he was telling me, too, like he wrote a bunch of books, Sam George, about the Malayali diaspora and them coming here to this country and how, um, you know, every culture did that, the Irish, the Germans, everybody, when they come here, it's like kind of a bell curve, you know, where they assimilate into the culture and just do it. And so 
when I was telling Sam, like, I wanted to do this counseling. And I said, but our people don't go to counseling. And, you know, we don't have these kind of problems, you know? And he said, Johnny, by the time you're done graduating, you're going to see all the same problems you see in the white community and these other communities in Indian community. And he nailed, like, I've seen so many people, met so many people. It's just been so humbling, you know, to, to be able to share the gospel with them and do this. Um, and then that was all good. But just recently, uh, I connected, oh, let me just tell you with that bell curve, what he was saying was, the Indian, our parents coming here, we're at the top of the boat. We have to do something. It's our generation. We're going to, we're going to do something. If we don't do it, that's it. You know, like we have to build a, a space for a third space for these, you know, the future generations to come into and leave a legacy, leave a heritage, like be able to pass on this gospel. So as I'm doing this, it's all good and great and being able to speak into people's lives. But just recently, uh, I've started like five or six different groups of talking to people and a lot of them is life groups where we focus is like intentional community. Other ones is Bible studies. Other one is more counseling and interpersonal, you know, skills and, you know, group counseling and stuff like that. But the one thing that was missing was prayer. And I said, man, nothing, nothing is worth it or possible without worship and prayer. So that's why this was powerful when she said that too, about in, in Jaren starting the prayer house. So I'm so blessed that you guys are doing this. And I feel like, you know, Yes, this is my testimony too. like how God has like carried me and brought me through. He's provided me Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, you know, my provider. I know what why they call him that he's provided for me and taking care of me this whole time. But even right now, as we're going into this in just a couple of days, I don't know what's going to happen. But you see this division, this polarization and everybody's like so confused and stuff. And I'm like, we need to pray. We need to pray. You need to keep your focus. Otherwise you're not going to know you're going to be easily sucked into this stuff through emotions and anger and all this justice. And, but God's doing something. So uh, yeah, I'm just trying to walk in that. So I thank you guys so much for, for letting me share. And again, like I said, I'm on Facebook. If anybody wants to message me, ask more questions, I feel like we all still need to come together and connect and uh, be able to share the gospel will be salt and light and uh, focus on the kingdom. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please drop us a rating and review if you have the time. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching and keep listening for his voice.